All right. In three, two, one. <coughs> Shit, my mind just went blank. <laughs> what went, happened? My mind just went blank. I was like, oh, I'll say something like, oh, fuck. Tauntaun episode six. Oh, okay, okay, let's try this again. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. This is my kinky tauntaun. Shields of Captain. This landing is going to get pretty interesting. Defy altruistic. Oh God, oh God, we're all going to die. Perhaps today is a good day to someone ever tries to kill you, you try to kill him right back. Control. Control. You must run control. We are controlling transmission. Captain. Incoming message. Also, I can kill you with my brain. Make it so. The kinky torn torn. This way smell that I want it. I thought they smelled bad. It's the Kinky Tauntaun, episode six. Oh, yeah. All right, Jeffrey, what do we got on the docket today there, Big Daddy? Um, well, oh, yeah, there's bad news. Man, is, is there some bad news or what? What the fuck? In a reverse installment of Fuck Cancer, Alan Rickman and Davey, David Bowie both succumbed to cancer last week. Both of them were 69 years old. Oh, day ruined. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> one of those in particular actually hit me pretty hard. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little while. However, uh, what, what else do we have going on? I mean, are we, are we going to talk about some Alan, Rick, Alan Rickman memories here? Well, we were watching uh, Die Hard um, on Christmas. Was it Christmas Day? House, yeah. Right, right. And, and and what did you say? It's not Christmas until it's not Christmas and, until Hans Gruber is slow mo screaming at you as he falls from the Nakatomi Plaza. Ah <laughs> oh, man, he was in a lot of good movies. He was in some of my absolute favorite movies. I mean. Uh, Die Hard is probably my number one, if not, you know, maybe t- number two favorite Christmas movie, obviously, since we were watching it Christmas Day. Uh, <laughs> and I absolutely love the movie. It came out about 10 years ago. Love Actually, a little over 10 years ago. And of course, he's most known these days as for being, uh, Professor Severus Snape in the Harry Potter films. But I still think, no matter what you think of the actual rest of the movie, he was the best sheriff of Nottingham. Oh, damn right. That's right. I agree. I, you know, that's one of those movies where, uh, I can't really condone anything Kevin Costner, but I tolerate <laughs> Prince of Thieves. And, uh, it was Alan Rickman, sheriff of Nottingham that like completely made that movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he, <laughs> He was the main character, as far as a lot of people were concerned. I, absolutely, concerned. without a doubt. So, um, yeah, man. Uh, then, then, of course, you have uh, some people, you know, 
tweeting their their remembrance remembrances and memories of, of Alan Rickman, and uh, of course some of the Harry Potter cast came out and talked about what a great guy he was. Uh, but I thought it was very touching that J.K. Rowling. Somebody actually asked her. She seems fairly responsive on Twitter. If you were to ask her something regarding the books, but somebody had asked her about like she in some of the former uh, interviews with Alan Rickman. He was at first hesitant to take the job to be Snape. And Joe Rowling is like, you know what? He, he wouldn't, he wouldn't say it was a secret what she said to him, but she just promised him that there was more than meets the eye when it came to that character, but he would never reveal what exactly she said. Uh, so somebody finally asked her this past week what, uh, what, she told him and all in, in this Twitter reply, she said she told him what lies beyond the always, which of course, if you think back to, uh, the, the last book and the last film is, uh, when Dumbledore asks about, uh, Lily Potter and, he, and Dumbledore's like still after all this time. And, you know, he summons the, the doe Patronus and he says always. So, uh, I thought that was a very, a very touching, touchy feely moment there for me. Yeah. Uh, one thing, how are they going to do the sequel to Galaxy Quest now? <sighs> I think they'll figure it out. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, if, if there were going to be one, I mean, <laughs> I don't think there is, but <laughs> there, there, there should be, there should be. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. I also, you know, I liked him in Quigley Down Under. I, I I don't think I've actually ever seen that one. Really? No. He plays, like, a huge asshole, uh, kind of a almost slave master uh, type thing. Quigley oh, of course, Down you know what? He's in Dogma, too. I forgot about that. He's, the, he's one Dogma, of the angels in Dogma. Yeah. He's one of the best parts. In that I, movie. I love his part. Yeah. <laughs> of course, he's the... Uh, the the melancholy robot Marvin in uh, yep. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which that I mean even that even just doing the voice work that was perfect. Yes, oh, yes. Uh, his, uh, doesn't he get his throat cut in Sweeney Todd? Uh, I I actually haven't seen that one either. I've seen it once, but I, I, I'm pretty sure he gets his throat cut. I mean, most oh, of the people that's right. he was in Perfume as well. It's a, based on a Patrick Susskind novel. I really liked him in that. Actually, in fact, that was one of my favorite performances. Like, just straight out, hey, look, that guy's an actor. Like, that was actually one of my I favorite I haven't seen that one. Oh, yeah, it's good. I haven't seen that one. I mean, he's not, the, you know, the main character by any stretch. He's just in supporting role. But uh, damn good movie, damn good acting in that particular movie. Anyway. Well, and because of, you know, things like Harry Potter and, you know, he will live forever in the memories of of little children and, and big children Indeed. like us everywhere absolutely <laughs> sir the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3720 to 1 never tell me the odds and now who should be the next han solo uh, okay, it wouldn't be the kinky tauntaun unless we talked some Star Wars stuff, right? Well, there are apparently some actors who have been shortlisted for the role. Uh, um, variety, yep. variety reports that these actors include Miles Teller from Whiplash, Ansel oh. Elgart 
from Fault in Our Stars, Yo. Dave Franco from Neighbors, Scott Eastwood from Suicide Squad, Jack Renner from Transformers 4, and Blake Jenner from Glee, Emery Cohen from Brooklyn, and Logan Lerman from Percy Jackson. All right, well, let's go ahead but and get, get this out of the way. Fuck that list. It's... I, I was very open-minded to several of these. Um, I, I, I can tell you right away, right away that Anto Elgore is not the right guy for the job. Um, he, he doesn't sound, I, I don't see him having the physicality of Harrison Ford besides the voice, the demeanor, the swagger, nothing. And then of course, Miles Teller, I, you know, like I watched Whiplash. And I, I believe he's Mr. Fantastic in the, uh, rate, the latest incarnation of the Fantastic Four films. But, uh, he, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have it either. He definitely doesn't have the physicality. He doesn't look like any, you know, he doesn't look anything like Harrison Ford. He's anyway. kind of funny looking. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of funny looking to be a sex symbol. He, he is. And so I, I, and of course, Dave Franco, did somebody throw that in there as a joke? Like that has to be a joke, right? For the, for those who don't know, Dave Franco is in every James Franco movie, but like as uh, a peripheral character or a sidekick, uh, he has no leading man potential whatsoever. Uh, in fact, he pretty much plays the same character in every film that he's in. And I'm pretty sure that character is Dave Franco. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm not getting any, uh, Harrison Ford vibes off that. So I think that, like, I almost want to think that, that Disney was floating this out there as kind of like a joke. Like, let's just fuck with people right now because everybody's upset about David Bowie and Alan Rickman. <laughs> like, maybe this will get, well, you know, people talking about something else. I don't know. Well, uh, what do you think about Scott Eastwood? I haven't seen Fury Scott yet. Eastwood you- is not a quality actor. Ah, his last name's um, Eastwood, basically. Well, it, you know, actually, for the rest of the guys on this list, I was actually very open-minded because I hadn't seen anything that they were in. And so I, I tracked down several uh, YouTube clips, including Scott Eastwood. I've actually seen a, a couple Scott Eastwood movies. Uh, and, of course, he's on, I think, Hawaii Five O, which I've seen, like, once or twice. Oh, but, really? Um, I that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I was still open-minded about him. But once, once I started going through these YouTube videos of all these guys... God damn, man. There's Jack Renner. Jack Renner is in the late, I think the Rainer. most recent Transformers movie, which like I said, I haven't seen. Uh, I haven't I've, seen I've, only, I've only, you know, I refuse to watch, but, uh, even on the YouTube videos, like, I would really have to see him in something else for him to give me any, any indication that he's, he's right for the part. Um, Emery Cohen's a no, and then Logan Lerman is definitely not. Uh, Blake Jenner is the one guy on the list who I thought might have the potential to do it. But I actually think maybe Logan Lerman, maybe pull it off. A big, a big maybe on that. So, also like I said, fuck this list. I'm wondering. Yeah, fuck this list. I'm also wondering, like, is this just like a a lit? If you look at the ages of each one of these actors, they don't match up either. So that tells us the, you know, the script isn't anywhere close to being, uh, 
written yet. And it almost makes me think there's not even a treatment for it yet, because at least a treatment would give us an idea of age for what this actor needs to be. But there's nothing because you have like Dave Franco is like fucking 32. And then you have like Ansel oh, really? Elgort. Yeah, yeah. He's closer to our age than he is to some of these other guys' age. But uh like, you know, they're they're like 19. I think Ansel Elgort's like 22 or something, which if they're casting a young Han Solo, we have to figure that in A New Hope, Han Solo, I think, was about 30 years old. And so if we're going to go about 10 years before, we're, we're looking at an actor who needs to look the part about 20. And I realize he's not going to be quite as, um, I don't know, I don't want to say stout to make him sound fat, but uh, he might not be as adult looking as Harrison Ford circa 1977, but he at least needs to look like he can grow up to be a Harrison Ford looking that <laughs> yeah, way yeah, yeah. in 1977. And so for several one of these thing, actors, the number one is like some of them, like Scott Eastwood's like 30 something too, I think or late twenties. In any case, like he doesn't, he's just a pretty face. And, and I think some of these other guys might be able to act the part, but they're not, they're not going to physically look the part. Yeah. Yeah. Not, well, that's what I was thinking. Um, well, the, the character of Percy Jackson is a bit is a bit roguish, you know. Yeah. So that's why I was thinking maybe Logan Lerman. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you're, you're right. And, and apparently, apparently they have to figure this shit out pretty quickly. I just saw something on YouTube um, where they want to include him in and, Rogue yeah, One a cameo in Rogue One. And, I saw that, and they got like a month of shooting left. Um, I don't think that's gonna work, man. <laughs> I, I just and especially like rogue one how many years before you know, i i'm not i i think that must be a rumor because rogue okay. one is supposed to take place not that long before a new, a new hope and from what i'm understanding about this uh this movie you know what they want to do with this han solo movie is they want to set it 10 years before for so for you Sticking in some actor right there probably isn't the best idea. And, um, I, we, we have a list. You've compiled a list that I wholeheartedly agree with, uh, to suggest for casting for Disney. Should, should they be listening to episode six of Kinky Tauntaun? They will Which hear they the should. truth. Yes, of course. Should they be listening? Yes, they should. Okay. So, uh, um, start, start us off there, guy. Well, uh, number three, Eric. Number three, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Oh, that's the guy now, from Kick, the the kid from Kick Ass, right? Yeah, but uh, he got yoked. He grew up. <laughs> well, he's also English, isn't he? Like in real life. Oh, really? I think so. I did not know that. Well, yeah. he does a fine English accent, so that wouldn't. You know, I was worried about English. Some English actors, because you'll you'll have these actors, and when they're speaking, they're you know. Their native accent, they're brilliant, and but and you see them in something where they're having to throw on an American accent, and then you can tell it's it's a bit of a struggle for them. The acting quality goes yeah. down a bit. Uh, maybe but some he pulls degree, it off. Uh, but no, yeah, he, he pulls, pulls it off, it off. Very well. Like and you know, he doesn't look anything like Han, but I think he definitely could play the rogue. Yeah, I think he's got the rogue. He's got the physicality. He's got the you know the uh, the smarminess, the quirkiness. Uh, I yeah, think the comedy. I, I think that I think that is actually an excellent suggestion. Yeah, the, he has the comedy timing and the How action ability. Shit, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think most of the people I put on here 
Um, early mid twenties. Yeah, yeah. Which which would actually make sense? No, man. I'm. I, um, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, because he's done with Avengers now, obviously. <laughs> oh wait, was he was he Quicksilver? Yeah, he didn't make it. Oh, remember? Well, I mean, I I remember that Quicksilver didn't make it, but I don't think I realized it was this actor. Yeah, it was him. Oh yeah, he did get pretty built up then, didn't he? Yeah. Um, have you seen that picture? Uh, I think I think I showed it to you. Um, it's from it's from uh, Kick Ass. Yeah, Kick Ass Two. Like, he was pretty ripped. Yeah, but it's from the first Kick Ass. It's like the moment you realize uh, Quicksilver standing next to Quicksilver. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I got you. <laughs> Weird. All right. Number two. Number two. Anthony, I have to admit that uh, I saw Anthony this. Anthony Ingruber. Yeah, Anthony Ingruber, who uh, is a Canadian actor, very much an unknown quantity. And I saw somebody post about this uh, very shortly after Disney released this, this casting list. And, you know, uh, I'm a sucker for some clickbait. So uh, I clicked on it and then I watched the YouTube video of this guy. And apparently it's several years old. So even before we knew that there was a Han Solo young Han Solo movie coming out, this was already, you know, this, this kid already put it up there and then subsequently kind of got into acting and has sort of gotten himself a little bit of an end into through the industry. So he's not, he's not inexperienced. I put the clip clip up on the kinky Tauntaun Tumblr. Yes. And so so, he wants to go see it. uh, He, he pulls off the, a new hope Harrison Ford Han Solo, flawlessly and the, have you seen the indiana jones one where he yes where he plays both sean connery and harrison ford he he, he does that marvelously man it's so <laughs> if this kid can act for fucking crying out loud you have to give him this job well he played a young version of harrison ford's character in the age of adeline already yeah so he's already played a young harrison ford i mean come on Right, right. So it's the the precedent is set, and uh, and you, you, that's the other thing. We're we're gonna talk about some Indiana Jones la- later, but uh, like maybe we can have them for two franchises and not just one. Yeah. Anyway, but at the very very least, consider them for Indiana. Oh, you know? see this, this note that you've uh, you sent me. You give me like a side by side comparison. Of young, a young Harrison Ford with this Anthony Ingruber. And, uh, you're, you're damn spot on, man. <laughs> Actually, I found that online. I, mean, I didn't create I'm sh- that. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you did, but it, it looks pretty damn close. Yeah. Like you almost, I mean, obviously we can't quite clone Harrison Ford yet. So this is the <laughs> next best thing. Yeah, but some, some family just did clone. Uh, two two pets from the same from the same dog. All right, that's it, man. We're doing Harrison Ford next. Fuck you guys. <laughs> y'all, y'all gonna have um, to take a waiting number. We're cloning Harrison Ford next. And my number one because he has, you know, it was it was a tough choice between Anthony and Gruber and my number one because, you know, like I said, Anthony's slightly unknown. And you know, right? Pretty sure he I, see, that's the pretty other sure thing. he can act. But, I honestly, mm. I honestly think that they should go with an unknown for this. I mean, Disney surely can't be because the list they put out—they're all known actors for the most part. Uh, some of them are a little bit under the radar, but they're all known. And it's like, 
why Han Solo, the character, sells the movie. You can put an unknown in there and not have to worry about it. Sure. You don't need a big name to sell this movie. The name, the Han but Solo my, sells my it. Number one, my number one is a, a known. I don't he know is. how well he's known, but he he's is pretty known. well known. Uh, Dylan O'Brien. You know, some people might know him as uh, Styles Stalinsky from Teen Wolf or Thomas from the Maze Runner Runner. franchise. I think that is also a good choice. And so if we we were forced to go with a known quantity, uh, I think you're right. You're spot on, dude. I I actually like that choice a lot. I've I've seen all the ranges of emotion, you know, from through through his various characters. I've seen all the ranges of emotion. He can pull it off. He's... Of all the people, I mean, on the list that Disney put out, like nobody has that that impish rogue quality, but Dylan O'Brien does. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like I could see him pulling off a Han Solo moment pretty well. And you know, he doesn't look anything like him, but like you said, some of the pictures. He does have that roguish quality about him. When, I, I, that's it. I mean, it, it's it's the charisma more than anything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's he's probably the best actor on the whole series of Teen Wolf. I mean, he's definitely the funniest. Yeah. Although I'm not really. <laughs> like, I've only watched the first two seasons. First, what? How, how many seasons? I think the first two seasons, maybe three. First two. Yeah. Well, in one of the seasons, he actually gets like. You know, invaded by this evil spirit, and he he plays a bad guy, and it's actually pretty creepy. Really? So, really, yeah. I'm, I might have really? to start watching that again. Is is it on Netflix uh, again yet? Um, I don't know. I have okay. to check. Okay. But anyways, as I was looking through all of these, I also found a uh, a picture that somebody put with uh, Mark Hamill and Anton Yelchin right next to each other. Yeah. So if they if they ever wanted to do a uh, a you know movie with a, a young a younger you know, uh, Luke Skywalker movie, I feel you. Yes, I mean he just it's it's pretty damn spot on. <laughs> Antonio Oakland's actually a, a a great actor as well. Yes, and I was considering for him for uh, Han Solo, but no, I like my other choices he, better. Yeah, he's too gangly, <laughs> too little. Indeed. All right, man. Uh, is there anything else we want to say about this this Han Solo business? Uh, do we do we have any? Uh, well, like I said, I don't even think Disney knows what the hell the story is going to be. Uh, do we? And they all, I think the one thing they've actually come out and said is it's not going to be an origin story. So we're not going to get like little kid Han, you know, <laughs> building his own version of C three PO on some desert planet or anything. Is going to be him at the Imperial Academy. See, that's what I'm hoping. I, I hope it's just like a, it's a, it's a Chewie and Han movie. Like this is how they meet kind of thing. But did they ever establish that as canon or is it just in the, you know, the heretical books now that he went um, to the Acrylian Academy? I'm trying to think all the way back. I th- I think it's in one of the novelizations of the books. Ah, okay. Where it's referred to that, like how they met. I want to say yeah, but I'm not 100% positive about that. That'd be interesting. Anyway, you know, him stealing the Millennium Falcon. 
Well, Help no, he, he's got to win it from from Billy, oh, Lando. Uh, Lando. That's true. That's true. So, like, <laughs> sorry. Uh, you know, I could. You know, that's a, what. What if it's just the intro of the movie is how he left the the academy and rescued Chewie, and then they're striking out on their own. You know, having a really rough time of things until they finally uh, win win the Millennium Falcon, and that's kind of like what the setup of this whole movie is: is how he gets the Falcon. All right. Because uh, you could have like a young Lando. I think that would be cool. Uh, yeah. Oh, geez. We have to discuss who, who's going to play young Lando at some point, right? Uh, that would be a tough one. Ah. <laughs> uh, just, so, just as long as it's that, uh, not, not Michael B. Jordan. Is that the one from, um, um, Fantastic Four now? Yes. He's the latest human torch and, uh, he's in Creed. I, you know what? Actually, <laughs> I'm going to take that back. He would actually be a good choice for it. Because he was good in Creed? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but looks interesting. All right, I think that's about all we can say about all it. All right. Han Solo done. On. And now it's time for Darwin Weeps, stories about dumb people that would make Darwin weep for the future of our species. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. Oh, yeah. So dumb, so dumb, so dumb, so dumb. Uh, Jeff. I realize you sent me your list ahead of time, but I have heard a lot of these stories recently. <laughs> a lot. That's okay. Oh. Well, our first. Okay, anyway. Well, our first story had to mention it because it's from Michigan, uh, Bay City, Michigan. On the evening of Wednesday, December thirtieth, my birthday, a Bay City couple. Mm-hmm. The man. Uh, the man's last name is. Cornelius and the woman's last name has not yet been released, but they went to a Walmart to get engaged. <clears throat> I ain't that just a thing. <laughs> he bought her a ring for twenty nine sixty two, then asked a customer service worker to read the proposal note over the public address system. Asking her to marry him, surveillance camera footage shows the event with Cornelius and the woman hugging and kissing as people stand around them and applaud. But the story the doesn't fuck? end there. Oh, my God. Uh, then the couple went to Spencer's Gifts, where the deputies alleged that they stole a watch. An edible thong, a sex toy, uh, panties, and sex candy valued at $80.93. So they celebrated their uh, engagement by going to Spencer's and stealing these things. <laughs> it gets better. I didn't, even, I didn't even know that Spencer's had all that stuff. I mean, some of it, yeah. But. Oh, you, you've never seen the edible thongs? They're yeah, like, that's what I have seen, but I didn't know like they had sex toys or something, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 they are. Uh, the couple fled the store prior to deputy's arrival. Deputies found the woman walking between Bob Evans and Taco Bell, <laughs> followed by... Because <laughs> they, they're going for their engagement dinner at Taco Bell. <laughs> uh, she was being followed Let's by... Let's go celebrate at the Taco Bell! Oh, <laughs> uh, that's not good food for fucking... Ugh. No. <laughs> No, it's not good food for anything. What are you talking about? Uh, Unless you want to shoot diarrhea at people. Uh, when they found her, she's being followed by a Spencer's employee. Uh, in her possession was a pair of gold earrings and a silver necklace with a star pendant, apparently stolen from Walmart. Oh, my God. Deputies found Cornelius in the mall's food court asleep at a table 
um, in the process of trying to tie his shoes. He had his laces in his hands. He, was, he fell asleep. Wait, so there's probably some sort of illicit substances involved here then? They they found the stuff that he stole from Spencer's on him. Uh, we'll get into that. We'll get oh into my that. God. Uh, okay, at, the, okay. at the Bay County Jail, the woman told deputies that the necklace and earrings were stolen, but she denied being the thief, adding she oh would not God. snitch on, Cornelia, on Cornelius. Because uh, that's her fiance. I keep seeing, you know, Planet of the Apes, whenever I say Cornelius. Yeah. <laughs> Cornelius and Zira, right. <laughs> she that, w- mean, that means maybe her last name is Zira. <laughs> maybe. But, you know, she's like, I won't snitch on him. She later changed her mind and said Cornelius was the culprit. <laughs> uh, of course. Cornelius Even told if he dep- wasn't. Cornelius told deputies he took the jewelry and the items from Spencer's as he was feeling brash, as he, he had been given tramadol, a narcotic-like pain reliever, in a recent hospital visit. Oh, my visit. God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> as soon as they were released on bail Saturday, January 9th, the woman started a GoFundMe campaign. The campaign had a stated goal of $10,000 and read, Yes, we are the sex toy bandits. We are real people with real problems. We need help raising money for our wedding because I am currently pregnant and homeless. We do not want our baby born out of wedlock. Anything will help. Thank you, uh, thank you for taking so the time to read They're not really story. worried about the stigma of being sex toy bandits. It's that baby being born, born out of wedlock they're worried about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and by 1 p.m. <sighs> on Saturday, the campaign oh had been God. deleted. It had garnered, uh, it had garnered no yeah. donations. <laughs> uh, all right. There, there's a little bit of justice in this world. Um, just in case you didn't like this guy enough already, uh, Cornelius was on, th- on a three years probation at the time of having theft, um, that th- thieving from Spencer's and Walmart. Um, he had been sentenced in November 2014 on a conviction of ethnic intimidation. In August 2014, oh Cornelius, Cornelius and his cousin Joshua M. Christie were drinking on the porch of their Bay City home when they attacked three black men who were just walking by. Oh, my God. Some would say he's not a good catch, but remember, the edible underwear, ladies, that means he reciprocates. <laughs> uh, well... Uh, I guess I guess we all make poor choices from time to time. <laughs> you are so dumb. You are really dumb. Oh, yeah. So dumb, so dumb, so dumb, so And our next story. <sighs> oh, what? There's more? <laughs> yes. And our next story. That, that was the gift I kept, kept on giving. <laughs> uh, planning for a cross-country march to restore America which is related to the Oregon Nature Preserve standoff, appears to have hit a snag when one of its organizers shot the other co-founder Monday afternoon during a drunken argument over a gun. Wow, I did not hear about this, but uh, I'm I'm actually surprised by nothing that stems from this story. Like, (laughs) I mean, surely you've heard about... uh, People sending them dildos. Uh, yes, yes. In the mail, apparently bag of, bag the of dicks. Uh, bag of edible dicks. Yeah, yeah, that too. And then somebody. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to say it's the wait Uber for it, founder. Wait for it. Wait for it. I think I know what you're okay. going to talk about. Okay. Uh, that's that's later. 
<laughs> oh, oh. <clears throat> oh, oh. Sheriff, Go ahead. Sheriff's deputies in Grayson County, Texas. That it's like, of course, Texas. It's either Texas or Florida. Come on. Uh, have not released details about the fatal shooting, but social media posts by white right wing quote patriots associated with militants occupying an Oregon nature preserve identified the victim and shooter as the organizers of the Paul Revere 2016 final march to restore America. Uh, just a question. Why would any armed militant group go around naming anything with the word final attached to it? Because it's the final countdown. <laughs> I was I was thinking more of uh, the final solution. No, I'm with you there. Yeah. Uh, didn't didn't someone learn them their history? Uh, apparently not. Yeah. Unless you're a bunch of KKK neo Nazis. Uh, oh, I, I guess I answered my own question. <laughs> Yes, you Uh, did, sir. Yes, you did. Bill Williamson, another right-wing patriot associated with the Oregon militants, said in a Facebook post that Smith shot Carter in a drunken dispute over a gun. So that's... You know how we why we know about it since they haven't oh my yet. god um Williamson, an organizer of the failed two million bikers to d c rally, said he had been communicating with Carter through Facebook messages just minutes before his friend attacked Smith. He oh said Carter god. was intoxicated and pulled Smith's gun from his holster, but Smith drew a spare gun and shot his a spare friend, gun yeah, and shot his oh friend in the god. head uh Maybe he thought he was going to be a zombie. <laughs> I oh think I think the most interesting man in the world would say, I don't always carry a firearm, but when I do, I, oh my God, Kunke, shut the fuck up. Could you hear, <laughs> could you hear that? <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, let me try that again. I don't always carry a firearm, but when I do, I CCW. It makes it harder for people to gr- just grab my gun. And I won't scare people when I'm out uh, out and about fencing or skydiving or having my nails done. After all, unlike some, I'm not some pendejo con bengap Kenya trying to intimidate people with the only long, hard thing I'll ever hold in my hands. Well, unless they finally come out of the closet and live their lives, eh? Oh, wow. Well, well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Williamson said Smith called him a short time later to say the U.S. Marshals had agreed that the fatal shooting was self-defense. Uh, Texas law does prohibit licensed gun owners from carrying firearms while intoxicated. Excellent idea. Regardless of whether the weapon is holstered or concealed. Um, you think? Let me tell you a little more about these quote, responsible gun owners. Uh, Cotter and Smith had been organizing the march when they hoped, which they hoped would remove President Barack Obama and congressional leaders from office ahead of November's elections. So that was because that always were Our armed uprisings always work. Um, it, <sighs> it is being planned as a march caravan starting from multiple points on the west coast and advancing across america gathering steam and troops which its final destination washington dc and final aim at removing the corrupt leadership that has taken over our beloved country and ousted her god and constitution smith wrote later in a facebook post 
Oh my God. <laughs> Smith. Yeah. Cause I, I don't even know how to respond to this. <laughs> well, why have elections when you can have firearms and marches and arm, armed militias choosing <laughs> government and uh, who, Smith who is lives not, and who dies. Yeah. Smith has not been charged in Carter's slang, but it's not clear whether he intends to continue organize the organizing the event without his friend. Aw, tear. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. You, you definitely got some winners there, Jeff. You got some winners. Dar- Darwin is indeed uh, weeping. <laughs> you are so dumb. You are really dumb. For so dumb, so dumb, so dumb, so dumb. All right, man. What's next? And now it's time for Headline Nerds. Get those words! Indiana Jones 5. Spielberg reveals who should play the iconic role. Indiana Jones has been in the rumor rumor mill for months when it comes to another installment to the franchise, but it was only recently that Disney CEO Robert Iger confirmed the existence of a new Indiana Jones movie. Are you excited or are you worried about Crystal Skull thing again? Uh, I, th- okay. Um, I don't think we're going to have another issue like that because, uh, I think Spielberg realizes how he fucked up in Crystal Skull. Uh, I think he's had a bit of a reckoning where he, uh, mean Shia LaBeouf. He re- he- Shia LaBeouf. Well, that too. That's how he re released, he re released E.T. for like the 30th anniversary special or whatever the hell it was. And he, there's a part in the movie where he removes shotguns from some FBI agents' hands and put walkie-talkies there instead. Oh, jeez! And in an interview, <laughs> he's like, "You know what? I screwed up." And it was yeah. it was not that long after Crystal Skull came out, so it, it leads me to believe that. He, well, in this interview, he was saying like, "I basically mess with people's memories, and that was the wrong thing to do. Uh, I should stay true to what." what that movie was and i think he some of the uh the blowback he got for kingdom of the crystal skull kingdom of the crystal skull was uh the same kind of thing like people had their memories messed with like the uh the south park episode it was like watching indy get raped by by george and steve (laughs) over and over again so i I think I, i i hope he's learned his lesson uh, even his reticence to uh, move in a different direction, uh, which I guess you're about to talk about, I think indicates that he wants to keep things as, tr- as true as possible. I mean, he messed up a movie with John Hurt. That's that's hard to do. Um, that's true. Oh, don't it's <laughs> don't let's not talk about it. Um, in an interview with Bloomberg. Iger talked about uh, different Disney films, and he confirmed that Indiana Jones will be coming. So is winter. Adding that there will be more great stories to tell. So stories. So plural. Uh, Okay. Here's the thing, though. I don't have as much of a beef with recasting this role just because we've had this role recasted a few times before. All right. We, We had... Indiana Jones, Last Crusade. We had River Phoenix playing young Indiana Jones. Uh, then a few years after that, George Lucas had this bright idea to make a young Indiana Jones Chronicles. And so Indiana Jones was some like little shit 
you know, traveling around, meeting famous people. Which I uh, actually liked those. A lot of people didn't. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I, didn't, I did not like the little shit ones. <clears throat> I found I find that that found the child actor to be just obnoxious. Yeah, the, uh, but the, the Sean Patrick ones, Flannery ones were were much better. Yeah, yeah, especially the ones you know World War One. Those were really good. Uh, yeah, there were there were several good ones of those. Um, although. Uh, honestly, there's still not, there's like nowhere near as good as what the movies should be, um, for a variety of reasons. But anyway, uh, I, 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 I'm open to this movie being recasted, but keep on going with your, with, with uh, your article. Iger did not uh, give away more than that. There was no mention of a release date or who would get to play the iconic role. But according to a report from Screen Daily, Steven Spielberg, who directed all four films of the franchise, intends to make a fifth movie, and he sees nobody else who can play the role better than Harrison Ford. Why not, man? <clears throat> well, I, th- I think we can get at least one more out of him. Maybe. Let's try to think of Harrison Ford now doing the the trucks the truck scene fight from Raiders well, of the Lost Ark. We don't need that now, man. We have good writing to make up for, <laughs> no, for stunts that and was shit. Awesome. It was. was awesome. The number of times I would I would be you know, my parents caught me clutching to the front of our blazer pretending to be Indiana Jones when I was a kid. <laughs> oh my God. You know, you know that's the other thing. Honestly, if you're gonna have a stunt dub a stunt double do some of that shit, I, it would be very plausible just because him having drunk from the water uh from the, ah. the holy grail at yeah. the end of last crusade uh, it almost it makes you feel like he's not only is going to live a longer life but he's going to be more vital as well but the power uh, of the grail can't pass the seal it, it, uh, may, but maybe like maybe it does something so i'm like I, i'm saying maybe it does something that's all i got well i i think this would be a, a perfect you know time for anthony ingruber though uh, i i'm with you but uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Chris Pratt has been rumored to replace Ford. No, 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 no. <laughs> but the director. It's, it's, uh, it's not that I dislike Chris Pratt. It's just if they're going to reboot it, just like it needs to go back further in time. Yeah, younger. I mean, Chris Chris Pat, Pratt is exactly our age. So I, I, I mean, come on, man. Let's 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 go at least ten years younger. The, now, the director praised Pratt's performance in Jurassic World, um, but is firmly crushing the rumors that Chris Pratt will play Indiana Jones. He's like, nah. Probably a good thing. Nah, nah. Uh, it's certainly not my intention to ever have another actor step into his shoes in the way there have been many actors who played, you know, Spider-Man or Batman. Uh, he told, he told the screen, yeah. You know, he told the magazine. He also added that there will only be one man to play as Indy, and that would be Ford. So, but there's something else we need to consider, though, is that uh, Steven Spielberg doesn't have a say in it anymore when it comes down to it. That's yeah, it's Disney. I mean, it, it, it's a little a Lucasfilm property, which is now owned by his D- Disney. So, uh, if Spielberg weren't going to do it. They might just say, hey, buddy, fuck off. We don't want Crystal Skull anyway, so, you know, whatever. Uh, well, if, it, if it's an action movie by Disney, the next Harrison, I mean, not the next Harrison, the next Indiana Jones might be Johnny Depp. Oh, shut the fuck up. 
<laughs> He's not that much younger than Harrison Ford. I, 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 no, I'm just fucking with you. Um, oh, my God. Uh, according to uh, Youth Health magazine, Ford may still play as Indy in the next film, but he could serve as a mentor or teacher, and the adventures will be continued by a new guy. Shia LaBeouf. No. Uh, okay. Shia LaBeouf is out. There, there would be universal backlash. But uh, So we have Indiana Jones. Maybe we have, like, Michigan Smith. <laughs> uh, Come on, right? Michigan McIntosh. Uh, that's too much. Too too wordy. Too too much of a mouthful. <laughs> um, let me see. Ford has become the face of Indiana Jones since the first appearance in the movie back in nineteen eighty one with Raiders of the Lost Ark, which still awesome holds up. Um still remains to be yeah. seen if he will really be back to reprise his role. How old is Harrison? Oh my god, Ford that now? movie's thirty five years old this year. Wow. How how Damn. old is Harrison, how old is Harrison Ford now? Oh shit! You know I looked this up the other day. Uh, he I think he's like sixty eight. Sixty eight. Okay, so he's he's not in his seventies yet. So, well, but look what happened with Rickman and Bowie. Yeah, true, true. But you know, cancer sucks. Um, so far, there is no official announcement regarding the next movie's possible plot, release date, cast, or anything really and now supreme leader snoke trolls christian collins show and uh, harrison you write and say you want to say first of all god bless and thank you for your program it's a great comfort and you say i feel the holy force of the lord be with uh, so many this morning there's, there's been, been an, an awakening, awakening. Have you felt it? As many will be tuning for the first time, just flicking through the channels and finding themselves at Revelation TV. Revelation TV. Revelation TV. I find your faith disturbing. Uh, Jeff, did you put that together? Yes, I did. (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, I was just going by, well, you know, the uh, your faith, we find your faith disturbing. I'm like, Jeff had to do that, right? (laughs) Uh, but for, but well, for those that. who, I, I but for those that. who didn't realize, that was actually a real thing, minus the voice from uh, Andy Circus, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, well, the reason I put that that I find your faith disturbing at the end is because it was, you know, what was the name of the TV show? Oh, I have no, some English thing. Revelations TV. Oh, gotcha. All these people who just can't wait for the world to end and for most of us to die. I, I find that disturbing. <laughs> it is it is disturbing. <laughs> so that's why I put that little I find your faith disturbing in at the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I got you. All right. Directors tease the number of Avengers in the Affinity Wars. Um, Captain America, Civil War stars, Chris Evans, Jeremy Reiner, Anthony Mackie, Frank Grillo, and the original Agent Carter herself, Haley Atwell, attended the Wizard Wizard World Comic Con New Orleans over the weekend. During the event, Civil War directors Anthony and Joe Russo spoke during a question and answer session where they tease a bit of information about the next Marvel project. They're working on the two-part Avengers Infinity War. It began uh, with... Yeah. It began with Anthony accidentally referring to uh, Hallie Atwell's 
character as Sharon Carter, who was actually played by Emily Van Camp, instead of Peggy Carter, to which his brother and co-director Joe, Joe corrected the slip and offered an interesting explanation as to why it's easy to mix up characters' names. He said, We have so many characters we're dealing with. We're breaking ground on Avengers Infinity War. We have a board with 67 characters on it. You have to forgive them. 67. But, you know, I don't know if I borrowed them from you. It's a good possibility I borrowed from you, but the Infinity War comics. um, Yeah. They had a lot of superheroes kind of just go up as fodder. Exactly. You you have to expect a whole lot of it. By the way, I looked it up while you were speaking. Harrison Ford turned 74 this year. Ooh, that's getting into dangerous territory for men. He is an old fucker. Especially men who fly and crash all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing. Like maybe, maybe there's something to that, uh, the holy grail water, man. Cause he just fucking got up. He's like, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. (laughs) Crashing airplanes, just walking out of it. Like ain't no thing. He's like crashed like three or four times now. Uh, I don't know, but the la- the most recent one was when he was, uh, he crashed into the, the, uh, golf course <laughs> when one of his, one of his collector planes or something malfunctioned. He's crashed the fucking thing on the golf course and walked away. Uh, anyway, sorry. All right. So we're, we're back to the infinity war. Uh, so there is an indication there are 67 characters. And so I was actually thinking about this the other day. And of course we have sort of like the Avengers a team from the first two movies, plus yeah. the, the ones they added. And then of course are the, the Avengers that they sort of added at the end of uh age of Ultron. And that would probably leave us with probably like maybe 16 or 18 oh. total characters. The Avengers B team. So, it's like the earth's mightiest heroes. Uh, well, no, they have to be the earth's mightier heroes. They, they don't get the superlative. Damn it. <laughs> Because they're not as kick ass as the as the the A team, except for maybe exactly. Vision. Vision. And I could have sworn I read somewhere that Thor and Hulk aren't going to be in this one either. At least not in the part one. Really? How Although the... maybe that was maybe that was Silver War that I was reading about. But anyway, wait, how the hell are they going to go up against uh, Thanos without the big guys? Well, maybe that's it. Because there's supposed to be a two parter, so maybe the, the the more you know those are the heavy hitters. Are going to come in in part two. Uh, so who do you think? Uh, we need, we need to dust off your, your knowledge of Marvel characters and oh, not, maybe not just Avengers, but, uh, you maybe we'll see some inclusion of our, uh, Marvel TV stable, which could include like, uh, you know, uh, agents of shield, maybe, but I think the, you know, maybe like a daredevil, Punisher, Luke Cage, well, Iron Fist. In, it says in the article, Jessica Jones. It says in the article, don't count on Marvel TV characters get a, a significant role. You know, no, so. not significant role, but I can see them at least having scenes, you know, however brief that it might be. Well, remember in the um, comics, how many people they, they, they set forth everybody, but like, what was it, like six, seven? Like Silver Surfer and shit like that. They, you know, yeah, Doctor Strange, the thing. they like, held them back. Mar- they, Mar- they set forward a yeah. bunch to get basically slaughtered and wear out Thanos. And uh, Marvel doesn't even have the rights to Silver Surfer anymore. So that, uh, that's a no-go. 
he's, and he was he's part of Fox. And he was one of the biggest uh, characters to take out Thanos. In the- well, the, the big one, I think, is definitely going to be in the movie, and that's Adam Warlock. Ah, yes, yes. And I think we're, we're guaranteed a uh, Guardians of the Galaxy members also being in there. Yeah. So that, that's going to account for, what, six more characters? Yeah. So that it's, it's still a far cry from the 67 up on the supposed board. Boy, I, I'm glad they're actually doing a two-parter because having all 67 just in one movie and all of the kind of meet and greets you'd have to do. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I think a lot of them are just going to be peripheral. And here's my theory about what's going to go go on with it. I think they're going to use Infinity War to introduce some of these characters that have not been in anything yet for the sole purpose of throwing a bunch of shit up at the wall and to see what sticks. So, you know, obviously we're, we're getting phase three stuff here, but you know, they're planning for the future. So like, what if they threw in a cloak and dagger, you know, characters, or what if they, um, threw out like the new warriors, like night, night thrasher and speedball and all those guys. Um, and of course I think Nova, the Richard Ryder, Richard Ryder Nova, is very likely for that movie, but as well as the, the new uh, Nova, the younger Nova, which I, Sam something or other. I don't, I, I don't read that one, so I can't exactly tell you. But Me I neither. think having some human members of the Nova Corps in those films are very possible. Um, the young Nova is actually pretty popular these days. Um, and as well, I think Marvel, at least the comic books, have really, now that they're able to incorporate the Spider-Man stuff, uh, I think we're going to see more of that. And well, yeah, they're talking the big... about bringing in Spider-Man. I think in Civil War, maybe Civil War. Yeah, yeah, that's that's confirmed. So Spider-Man guarantee that to be in Infinity War. Yeah, phase, so it makes me wonder three. whether Phase Three: Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Wasp, Captain Marvel. Oh, Doctor Strange. That's he's going to be be in it for sure. Maybe some of those other guys. Um, now, two of the things I, I, at least I think I remember, it's been a long time, uh, from the Infinity Wars is, uh, Wolverine, uh, Thanos turned his skeleton to rubber. <laughs> so he's just um, like laying there kind of all bent out of shape. And if I remember yeah. right, he turned Hulk into a baby. So he's like this yes. little angry green baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, we don't have to worry about Wolverine in this movie, being in this one anyway. Oh, because, you know, owned by somebody else. Right. It's owned by Fox. Ah. Um, ah, see. And if I remember right, when uh, when the Infinity Wars, when he basically announced his presence on Earth, didn't he, like, take, like, instantly, like, uh, one-third of the Earth's population just disappeared? As a tribute? Uh, I don't remember the Infinity War as much as, I, as well as I remember the Infinity Gauntlet series. And the Infinity War series, I remember everybody had a doppelganger. Like an evil, an evil doppelganger, with with uh with a mustache and a goatee. Uh, no, it was not the Star, Star Trek version. Uh, but you had like evil Spider Man and evil Captain America and all that shit. So I I don't know how much that's going to be part of that storyline, and I'm hoping I'm hoping not a lot because I didn't really like that aspect of it. Uh, it's completely unnecessary. But hey, I mean maybe they can find a way to make it work. Um, but of course. Uh, as far as other characters that I'd like to see, I mean, the big one coming out right now is Spy- like Gwen Stacy in from an alternate universe. And since they're rebooting 
Spider-Man for the Marvel Cinematic Universe anyway, I think Gwen Stacy is going to be one of those characters that they keep and they might turn her into Spider-Gwen is what they're calling her. Uh, so she's a possibility as well as, uh, I would, I would really like to see a Venom and, uh, maybe even at some point, but like Agent Venom is pretty badass. We already saw a Venom. Uh, those don't count. <laughs> they're, they're, they're washed clean, just like Jesus. <laughs> um, so let me see. I have a basic rundown of, uh, when everything's coming out. Um, Captain America Civil War release on May 6, 2016, followed by Doctor Strange. Do you know who's playing Doctor Strange? Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch. Do you see the, I posted on, uh, um, on, uh, on our Tumblr the, uh, pictures of him in his outfit. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty cool. Uh, was, Doctor Strange, November 4th, 2016, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, May 5th, 2017, Spider-Man, July 28th, 2017, Thor, Ragnarok, November 3rd, 2017, Black Panther, February 16th, 2018, The Avengers Infinity War Part 1, May 4th, 2018, Ant-Man and the Wasp, July 6th, 2018, Captain Marvel, March 8th, 2019, The Avengers Infinity War Part 2, May 3rd, 2019, Inhumans, July 12th, 2019. Oh, that's another one. And you know they're going to have the Inhumans in that movie. And as yet... Infinity War. Yeah, and as yet untitled Marvel movies on May 1st, July July 10th, and November 6th, 2020. It's just amazing. It's just going to keep going yeah. and going and going. It up. is. It is. And like I said, I think that uh, Infinity War is going to be used as a, a launch for some of these properties to kind of get some names out there and see, like, oh, what what does the public think is cool? Like, can Cloak and Dagger ever be cool? I, I don't know. But I've actually heard that one mentioned quite a, quite a few times. I'm not as good a nerd as you. I don't remember what Cloak and Dagger or the Inhumans uh, are. Cloak and Dagger was quite literally a cloak, a guy who was in a cloak and anything uh, who went like basically he, only his face existed. And if you were to go underneath his cloak, you would pass into like a, a shadow world uh, <laughs> where he just disappeared. And he partnered up with a, a young blonde woman named uh, who went by the name Dagger. And she like she was basically like a, da- a dazzler kind of character. Oh, <laughs> um, let me see. Continu- oh, what about a Dazzler? Mo- oh, wait, that'd be Foxtail. Shit. I'm waiting for a Dazzler movie. God damn it. <laughs> uh, I, know, I know I'm probably in the minority, but I've been yeah. waiting for years. <laughs> Come on. You don't have any Dazzler love. I remember. <laughs> uh, I, I love I love Longshot and Dazzler back in the day, man. They kind of anyway, replaced that, Dazzler with Jubilee. They did. Uh, whatever. Okay. And Continue on. What, what's next, man? Time for a little crime and punishment. Oh, uh, speaking of Marvel. Yes. Oh no, I'm 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 giving you I'm giving your setup. Speaking of Marvel, oh, speaking of Marvel, Netflix is close to pulling the trigger on the Punisher, a new Marvel. Oh, pulling the trigger, pulling you the clever tr- child! Uh, it wasn't me, honestly. I, I, okay. Uh, a new Marvel spinoff series centered on gun-toting daredevil vigilante, aka Frank Castle. I wouldn't have um, written it that way. Yeah, I'm actually pretty. I, 
I'm probably more stoked about this than I ought to be because it's only if you just go by the movies. Well, you know what? I actually like the the Punisher Warzone a little bit. I haven't seen that one. Uh, I I never watched the one with John Travolta because I don't watch John Travolta movies ever. But um, well, he it was good because he was playing this kind of a Weasley slimy white collar guy, which is a good role for him. <laughs> wasn't he? Wasn't he supposed to be the kingpin? No, 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 no. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan was a kingpin in that one, wasn't he? Um, that was Daredevil. What? That was the Daredevil movie that Michael Clark Duncan was kingpin. Oh, okay, okay. I got you, got you. Um, Damn. But, uh, yeah, he played this kind of, like I said, weaselly, kind of slimy, kind of like how you think he may actually be, according to some of the stories we've heard about him. But was he a Scientologist hiding in the closet? <laughs> hiding in the closet? <laughs> um, yeah. Do you mean, oh, I know, South Park. <laughs> well, no, that, that too, but no, uh, there are rumors that, uh, John Travolta is also homosexual. True. Uh, although he, he, uh, tries like hell to not come out of that closet. Apparently he's a mean homosexual when he, like, convinces people to go do sex acts on him. He, like, makes it a point not to shower for, like, a week. What the fuck? That's what did you see this at? I've heard rumors. I've heard rumors. Who, who comes up with this? I don't remember. It was years ago. That's what kind of rumor is this? Who comes up with these things? I heard about that years ago. I don't remember. I mean, that's that's the kind of rumor that's so weird. It's probably true. <laughs> well, okay. Viewers anyway. will get their first look at uh, Burnthol's. Shit, is that how you say his name? Burnthal? Burnthal. Burnthal. Viewers will get their first look at Burnthal's Punisher when uh, Daredevil's second season drops on Friday, March 18th. But yeah, stoked. Yes, me too. But the early buzz on the Walking, Dead's, Walking Dead alum's performance is overwhelmingly positive. So, Yeah, that's basically what I read. I read some other articles as well in conjunction with this. And uh, uh, basically, like they... they John Bernthal just hit it out of the park. Sweet. And good. The, uh, the execs just like, sign this fucker up. He's good. <laughs> uh, viewers, viewers watching the show will be rooting for this guy with a gun, but we're also going to force people to second guess themselves, said producer Doug, uh, Pietri, Pietri. In a mm -hmm. recent interview with EW.com, taking lethal justice into your own hands in America in 2015 is tricky shit. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> but it's in a, in a weird way, it's actually almost more relevant than it was even 20, 30 years ago. Uh, for those keeping track at home, this would mark Netflix's sixth Marvel series following Daredevil, Jessica Jones, the upcoming Luke Cage, and the in the works Iron Fist and the Defenders. Okay, the and the Defenders are supposed to be all of them. Yeah, I I, I was wondering how all this was going to play out, but uh, so far so good, man. Like Netflix has has done right by us. And of course, we haven't seen the Luke Cage series, but we've seen the actor. Uh, we have no idea what this Iron Fist is going to turn out like. But I, you know, back in the day, I mean, Luke Cage was so lame that he, he, you didn't know what to expect. But I love the character in the in in Jessica Jones. Yeah, uh, and of course they 
they they did a good job of turning Daredevil around from some of his previous incarnations. And so, uh, yeah, man, I, I think the Punisher actually has some of the most potential. And I'm even hoping like one of my all time favorites was Ghost Rider. And I'm hoping they can rescue that from development hell as well. Uh, those that movie was pretty damn awful. Uh, Ghost Rider, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna blame Nicolas Cage, but that's like the first you time know. you haven't blamed Nicolas Cage, though. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm I'm really blaming Nicolas Cage. <laughs> um, and our next story, Amazon might be developing a bit of a tick. Patrick Walbert. Wal- War- Warburton. Patrick Warburton will once again navigate the mundanity of superhero life and howl spoon as a man, as oh, Amazon man. has ordered a pilot for the potential reboot of the cult superhero comedy, The Tick. All right. This is kind of old news, but not really. Like it just came out about a month ago. And we just haven't talked about it. Well, I but it bears it. talking about goddamn it because <laughs> that show was fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, I actually never watched it. I didn't. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I mean, it's only like, uh, you know, it's only lasted for one season. It was so bizarre, especially since it came out in like the early nineties. It, it was so far ahead of its time, but now it's like, it's the, perfect time people would have so much more appreciation for the tick now than they ever used to i knew there was a cartoon i just didn't realize there was oh the cartoon was pretty damn good too (laughs) uh tick creator ben undelin uh will return as writer and producer though no word yet on whether warburton whose other credits include family guy ventura brothers and rules of engagement and ted they they forgot about Ted. We'll oh. be joined by fellow cast members uh, David Burke, Liz Vassy, and Nestor Carbonal. Carbonal. I have trouble trouble with names. Better known respectively as Arthur, Captain Liberty, Arthur. and Batmanuel. <laughs> Batmanuel, yes. Uh, uh, classic you, stuff, man. Have you seen Absolutely. Ted too? Have yeah, seen, that was funny as hell. Uh, it was amusing. <laughs> I thought that could possibly be better than the first one, especially the uh, part, especially the part with uh with Warburton and uh, Michael Dorn. <laughs> Wait a second! I don't think I have seen Ted Two. I've only seen Ted One. You should see Ted Two because um, Michael Dorn is is uh, remember in the I would remember that Michael Dorn is is uh, Warburton's uh, uh, like uh, boyfriend. <laughs> awesome okay i'm gonna watch it then and i'll watch that shit tonight he's dressed mike uh michael dorn they're at a convention and you know, oh my god and warburton is dressed as the tick and and michael dorn is dressed as a wharf oh jesus christ that's awesome <laughs> it's fucking hilarious <laughs> uh <laughs> That is awesome. All right, I'm watching that. I'm watching it. While the deal between Sony Television, which owns the rights to the show, and Amazon guarantees one episode, it will be up to fans to help the Tick secure a full reboot. Amazon, as they've done in the past, will offer up a new pilot for free at a later date, and then decide whether to order more episodes after examining viewer ratings and reviews. So if you want it to keep coming, you got to go, you know... Rate it yeah. and, and and post some reviews. Okay, that, that would okay. help we'll, us too. 
Go to go to iTunes. Yeah, Cult, man. Culture dig. We're, we're under the culture dig. Right. Okay. Our next, What's next? Sto- yeah, right. Doom co-creator John Romero releases his first new levels in 21 years. Uh, it's a long time. Yeah, it's been over two decades since John Romero, the co-creator of Doom, tinkered with the old school FPS game. But Romero must must have been hit by the nostalgia blah, 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 by the nostalgia bug recently because he created a brand new level for the game and made it free to download. So that's awesome. Ooh. I used to like to play Doom. What about you? I know that, 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 um, that kind of shit can make you kind of. Uh, for first person shooter, which is what FPS stands for, is something that Buchacha does not do, uh, ever. <laughs> uh, I'm very prone to motion sickness and the first person shooters. In fact, Doom was the, uh, one of the very first things I ever noticed that I would get motion sick from. So it, I play, I, I've only ever played Doom for about three minutes and then I barfed and it was over for the <laughs> next several decades. My first person shooter was actually uh, Aliens versus Predator. And uh if you can play the Alien any third any first person shooter after that is easy because the Alien is uh it's uh fisheye lens basically. So it's all oh, distorted. And you can walk up walls. Uh, so you get, if you can handle that, you can handle anything. But I, I, I must admit the first few times I played the alien, which is really fun to play once you get used to it, uh, was like, Oh God, I don't feel very well. Uh, so I, I would probably be able to play that for like 20 seconds and we're done. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just a bit disconcerting that fisheye lens. Uh, next story, George. George. Uh, gorgeous David Bowie drawings by Final Fantasy artist Yoshida Yoshitaka Amano. I can't say names today. Words are hard sometimes. <laughs> Have you seen these? Did you look at those? I did, actually. Like Once you sent me the picture, uh, Neil Gaiman actually posted this on his Facebook and his Twitter uh, because this was actually something that was done in conjunction with him. Yeah, um, what was it? Uh, the Return of the Thin White Duke. Yeah, the third, the return. Amano was commissioned to create these drawings and inspired by the Thin White Duke. And they, in turn, inspired the Return of the Thin White Duke by Neil Gaiman, who is, he's, yeah. I would say, is he's one of your favorite, author, favorite uh, authors? He, he's probably my number one. And he's, he's my home. He's my dude. <laughs> I need to. I don't, I've never actually read any of them. I need to do that. God damn it, Jeffrey. I, there's so many books I need to read. I need to read the the uh, um, the the book version of The Force Awakens. Uh, I'm going to read the the Maze Runner. <sighs> I'm still trying to catch up on on a game. You know, a song of, of Fire and Ice, Ice and Fire. Can't oh, remember. Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, damn it, get on it, man. Jeez. Well, yeah, but I'm also. I'm also reading the astronauts windless and uh, I'm going through Dres- Dresden How files again. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> We're talking about Jim, Jim Butcher's steampunk. Yeah. Novel um, he recently released his, the, the, the parts he incorporates. You can tell Jim Butcher actually likes cats. I know a lot of people don't like cats, but you can tell Jim Butcher likes cats. Cause you know, Wait, like, have you told that to the internet? Because I think they disagree with you. What that Jim Butcher likes cats. No, that most people don't like cats. I think most people love cats. Well, back where we were from, a lot of 
a lot of people were, were like, oh, yeah, I see a cat on the side of the road. I'll try to run him over. Oh, yeah. If you're looking for your cat, look under my tires. Yeah. A lot of yeah. redneck yeah. type people yeah, where we I, grew I up you. that would sh- you know, shoot at cats and try to run them over. And it really pissed me off when I was younger and living there. But anyways, um, Jim Butcher seems to really like cats, you know, because, you know, his cat in the Dresden Files, you know, Mr., you know, is an interesting part, you know, and he's just big, yeah. gigantic tabby. And in, in this book, the cats are sentient. Oh, really? Yeah. And so they, they're interesting. And one of the main characters um, has actually earned a name from the cats, which mm-hmm. is very, which is very rare for them to actually give an, a human a name. Oh, so, all right. That's cool. And so she, all right. How do we get on that? Keep talking about the, the subject, man. I mean, what oh, we're, we're talking do- about Neil, Neil Gaiman. How you need to, yeah, you need to read some Neil Gaiman, man. Yeah. So basically, I'm, I'm, I, I read a lot of books. I know, but you, okay, a good place to start would be like Stardust. Or and, uh, I, I ne- like Neverwhere. I like that. Yeah, movie I know. A lot. That's what I'm saying. It's a good place for you to start would be Stardust because you've seen the movie and like it. Yeah. Um, he also does a great one called Neverwhere. And actually, they just re- redid this as a BBC radio production, and uh, it might be worth listening to that. Yeah, check that because out. Because he had actually he had actually written uh, Neverwhere to be a um, TV series first, and it was later adapted into the novel. Cool, and but it's damn damn good. Neverwhere was the first Neil Gaiman book that I ever read. And our next story: DC announces the Rainbow Batman action figure set. Um, I'm sitting here looking at this picture, and it's not quite Roy G. Biv, Jeff. <laughs> Like yeah, it's, it's it's close. like magenta, orange, yellow, green, gray, and I'm I'm looking like maybe a purple. Yeah. Um, I don't see the appeal of this. Uh, it's is it because they're really admitting that he's gay or something? I mean, what's well, what's going well, on? With this? Wouldn't it be a multicolored uh, Robin set though? The boy, uh, the I boy know. wonder. <laughs> maybe. <clears throat> maybe. But this is what um, uh, toy collectors and Batman fans, uh, they actually picked this. Um, what? They actually picked this one to come back. So I don't get it. I don't get it either. But I do get this next story. Fans are leaving touching memorials for Alan Rickman at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Orlando, Florida. Just down the road. Yep. The loss of Alan Rickman has been a hard one on fans of his work and have been sharing their messages of love, tribute, respect, and sadness worldwide. Uh, one of the places tributes have been occurring is at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Universal Studios Orlando. Meetups were organized by a group called Diversely Geek, and small memorials have been left in different places around the park in tribute to the man who made us love Severus Snape. Oh, that's that's cute. That's, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and uh, did you see the picture where they're they're all holding up their wands, like yes, after I did. like they did after Dumbledore died in the movie? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. And now it's time for our science, history, and technology segment we call Cool Shit. And this cool shit has Kepler discovered an alien megastructure. 
Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. You wanted to talk about this. So that's why I made sure to include well, it. The, there's some, re, there's actually some new news regarding this, which is oh, why. Really? Okay. What? You didn't know. I thought that's why you put it in here. No, I did not know that. God damn it. All right. You, you say your article and then I'll, I'll talk about the new info. Has Kepler revealed evidence of technology of a technologically advanced civilization around a star only 1,500 light years away? That's one exciting, if unlikely, interpretation of recent transit data. Uh, NASA's Kepler Space Telescope is tasked with finding small, rocky worlds orbiting distant stars. However, exoplanets aren't the only thing Kepler can detect. Stellar flares, star spots, and dusty planetary rings can also pop up in the mission's observations. But there's also been speculation that Kepler may have the ability to detect more than natural phenomenons, if they're out there. Kepler may also detect the signature of artificial structures orbiting other stars. Imagine an advanced civilization that's well up on the Kardashev scale. I can get Kardashev. I can say that one just right off the bat. (laughs) (laughs) But that's because I've heard of the Kardashev scale before. Um, is, that, is that what it is? Yeah. So, you know, imagine advanced civilization that's well up on the Kardashev scale. Kardashev scale. Look what you did. Hubris. And has the ability to harness energy directly from its star. This hypothetical alien civilization may want to construct me- vast megastructures like supersized solar arrays in orbit around their host star that could be so big that they blot out a sizable fraction of the starlight as they pass in front. Like in the novel Ring World. You ever heard of that? I have, Larry Niven. Mm-hmm. I've read the first one. Is it good? Uh yeah, I liked it. I'll add that to the list. Um, I, I just I, I never went back to it. Like I, I I remember listening to it on a road trip and uh I think I just sort of Pushed it aside by the time I, you know, reached my destination and haven't thought about it in years. Um, but it's probably worth revisiting. But I, I want to get into uh, Terry Pratchett's stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When Kepler detects an exoplanet, it does so by sensing the very slight dip in starlight from a given star. The premise is simple. An exoplanet orbits in front of the star, known as a transit. Kepler detects a slim a slight dimming of starlight and creates a light curve, basically a graph charting the dip in starlight over time. Right. Much information can be gleaned from this light curve, such as a, the physical size of the transiting exoplanet, but it also can deduce the exoplanet's shape. Normally, the shape of an exoplanet isn't particularly surprising because it's well planet-shaped. It's round. The physics of planetary formation dictate that a planetary body of a certain mass will be governed by hydrostatic equilibrium. But say if Kepler detects something that isn't round, well, that's when things can get a bit weird. Um, For the most part, any dip in star brightness can be attributed to some kind of natural phenomenon. But what if all possibilities are accounted for and the only one scenario is left and only one scenario is left what if the scenario is the object appears to be artificial in other words what if it's alien okay so that that's where i'm going to jump in here uh so of course when this news first broke i think back in october um there were many people who uh you know of the scientific community who rightly poo-pooed 
naysayed. I mean, I think coming out right right away and saying, "Oh my God, it's a fucking Dyson sphere," uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's probably a little much right off the bat. Uh, and of course, a lot of these naysayers almost immediately gravitated towards one explanation. And that explanation was comments. Yep. Now, according to an article that was released just yesterday, Ooh. at least the, the article that Damn, I'm looking dude. at right now, and this Way of course is in reference, it's uh, KIC or KIC 8462852. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I'm just going to read off this article just in the same way you have. Yes. Since the occasional 20% d- drop in light can't be explained by normal means like a passing planet, one theory has been proposed involves its periodic obstruction, obstructions from a group of comets. Another includes heavy construction activity by extraterrestrials who may be building what have been called alien megastructures. Now, Louisiana State University's Bradley Schaefer has determined the star has dimmed by about a fifth in the period between 1890 and 1989 based on an examination of archived photographic plates at Harvard College Observatory. He has called the fading output completely unprecedented for a star of that kind. So it's continuing to fade? Oh, hold on. The finding largely accounts, I'm sorry, largely discounts the comet theory since he estimates it would take 648,000 comets, each about 124 miles wide to cause the effect. Wow. According to him, aliens would not also not be able to build enough to produce the outcome. As such, more observation of the star is needed to explain its mysterious behavior. So. If I was hearing that right, the stars can is can, has dimmed more since like the eighties. So eighteen, yeah, eighteen ninety to to uh, nineteen eighty two, or when they had these photographic plates of that area of that star. So and it's like they're still building. So there's something that's not. Yeah, the the comet theory is out the window, and that was actually the most uh, popular rebuttal against it being a, a Dyson sphere. Ooh, that's interesting. So, like the, the aliens are continuing to build, so they're still there. Well, he's also saying that it's probably not that either because that's just too fucking huge. But it does make it does make one wonder, doesn't it? Because well, it, it's it's the old Sherlock Holmes thing. I mean, once you once you're left with the uh, the impossible, the impossible must be the explanation. Well, and if but we we're, we're if a we long can ways think from of, that, though. if we can think of you know you know rings and Dyson spheres, uh, other minds could too. Agreed. So agreed. Yeah. Anyway, um, all right. What's next, man? Thanks for the update, man. Of course. Oh shit. Um. Next is and now they're not that important. Not even close to normal, but definitely not boring. It's N3 News. As if I wasn't already creeped out by Ronald Reagan enough. A man wearing only a rubber Ronald Reagan mask and a sock around his twigging giggleberries helped an Alabama couple ring in the new year in a way they'll likely never forget after they caught him prowling outside their home. You see the this picture? This is freaky. I'm looking at this picture and it's frightening. It's, and you can see the sock hanging between his legs. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a sock. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, I think so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, good on you, man. 
Um, surveillance footage taken outside Daniel and Bart Yancey's uh, Vestavia Hills home on New Year's Eve captured the masked creeper eerily crouching along their windows. Uh, Daniel Yancey, who starred in Bravo's reality TV show Jersey Bell, never heard of it, posted the 30-second video on Facebook. Uh, the couple said they then called 911 once they noticed. Um, Vestavia Hills Police, uh, reached, reached by AOL.com, said they received a call about a teenage streaker around that same hour of 11 p.m. Yancey said she laughed about the incident now, but cautions that it could have easily turned out dangerous. She expressed thanks that her husband <laughs> saw... <laughs> the guy's naked. What's he gonna do? Uh, it's not like he, he's pa- he, it's not like he's packing and packing a nine millimeter in a scrotum. <laughs> he keistered his gun. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, keistered it right. It's like hold on, hold on. Let me shoot this out, and then I can shoot you. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think so. Wait, oh my god, this is this is gonna be the next uh, purge movie, isn't it? <laughs> I, I was thinking it's gonna be more, streakers. It's gonna be streakers keistering guns and then killing people. I thought more of the next. It follows. Ooh, oh, oh, that just got creepy, Jeff. Come on. Ronald it's Reagan. Gonna be, it's going to be it's going to be Ronald Reagan, isn't it? Naked Ronald Reagan crawling, oh crawling after you. <laughs> uh, she expressed That's... thanks for her husband who saw him and scared him away. Uh, Yancey told AOL.com, I don't think he had a gun on him, but he could have potentially hurt us or we could have hurt him. Even if it was a prank, it could have been very scary and dangerous. It could have gotten very dangerous and scary quickly. Something could, something could have happened. Very serious. <laughs> well, what's, what's wrong with this guy? I watched the video and I, I didn't see a gun when I watched it, but one okay. could say that his piece was holstered. After all, it dipped, <laughs> oh. after all, it dipped below 40 degrees in Vestavia Hills that night. Jesus so. Christ. <laughs> well, at least he had a sock on. At least he had a sock on that thing, right? Yeah. Whew, that'd be cold. Um, yeah. And our next story, Cards Against Humanity co-founder mails Oregon Militia 55 gallons of lube. Oh, here it is. This is what we were, what I was trying to think of. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, $1,200 can pay for a lot of things. A month's rent, new cell phones for the kids, round trip tickets to India, or if you're Max Temkin, 55 gallons of lube. On Wednesday evening, the co-founder of the popular adult card game Cards Against Humanity tweeted an Amazon receipt for his gift oh my to God. Am- Amon Bundy's organ militia. So is he trying to get get in the whole like uh, <clears throat> people have been posting uh, homoerotic fan fiction yes, of this I, stuff? I heard about that too. That's okay. That's so awesome. he's like, here, here's the lube. Let's get the show on the road. <laughs> well, they might be getting lonely. I reckon they got to cuddle up. They turned off the power. They got to cuddle up for warmth. I can't quit you. Create a little friction between the sheets, but not too much Ooh. friction. That's what the lube's for. Okay. Like, All like right. I, th- I think it was uh, Darth Vader said in one of our uh, Culture Dig episodes. Um, careful of chafing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Continuing on. And our last story. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. I don't think you're ready for this, Danny. Um, 
Fruitland, Florida, uh, Florida, resident Keith Davidson, 46, woke up on Sunday afternoon and just wanted to make himself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but he soon discovered he was out of jelly. He then decided to lash out at his wife. During the argument... During the argument, the wife was about to leave to go buy some jelly when she accidentally knocked over a glass of milk. Davidson, believing that spilt milk should be cried over, pushed her to the floor and used her hair to mop oh, up the Jesus milk. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's when she called police. <sighs> the victim, whose name has not been released, told WESH that it isn't the first time her husband had used her hair as a dish rag. And that was a quote, dishrag. Oh, my God. A domestic abuse expert also told the station that abusive husbands often use fights over food as an excuse to take their rage out on their victims. Um, the victim, who I've been imagining as having white, tightly curled hair, you know, mop, told the station, you can love someone with all your heart, but if they're not going to be a good person for you in your life, then it's just time to say goodbye. And that's the hardest thing for me. Oh, and my so, God. Speaking of goodbyes, Buchacha wrote a goodbye for the late, great David Bowie. Uh, um, oh, okay, so uh, this is something that uh, it took me a while to uh, come to terms with because uh, it, obviously you don't think the celebrity passing or going to have much of an effect on you, but, uh, but when, I, when I heard about this, it did, but I finally sat down to write my little story uh, about what David Bowie means for me and for mine, and I'm going to read you what I wrote. Are, are you ready, Jeffrey? I am ready. Okay, let me tell you a story. Well, my mother would play some of the easy listening hits of the 70s and 80s, and thus educated in the likes of Billy Joel and Neil Diamond and would also turn on the oldie station. It was when I, uninvited of course, went to my sister's bedroom that I received my advanced musical education. She used to spend all of her time there, reading books, listening to the radio. It was there I heard Prince and Duran Duran, Michael Jackson, and Tears for Fears. It was shortly after the Tigers won the World Series in 1984 because my sister had a poster of the Tigers catcher on her wall. So, it was then. That room was a place of books and music, wonder, and the outside world. I remember even now, quite vividly, her playing patty cake with me, listening to Matthew Wilder's Break My Stride in the background. Though I don't recall exactly which time I had interloped, I remember hearing Bowie's Let's Dance during that time. It was not the kind of song that I latched onto, but I associate first hearing it to that bedroom on Storm's Road. By 1986, I wasn't up for playing patty cake any longer. My parents had divorced the year before, and my world seemed entirely different. Someone had hit, hit a reset button, yet the music remained. From time to time, before we had a VCR, my mom would rent a disc player. The first time I ever watched Labyrinth was one such occasion. Along with the animated Hobbit, renting Labyrinth became a common occurrence. When an aunt and uncle gave us a VCR for Christmas, it was the first movie I rented, and no less than every few months would I rent that movie. Now, Jim Hansen was a brilliant man, but looking back, it was David Bowie who made that movie. The Dark Crystal never had the same allure for me, not even close. Of course, I was only then becoming familiar with who Bowie was. 
My mother was a bit shocked at his cod piece and his effeminate look, but never discouraged me from renting the movie, even if I'm sure she would have discouraged me from seeking out his music. Nevertheless, I would dance to Magic Dance, and even before I could, could have realized that I was secretly crushing on Jennifer Connelly, I felt the austere beauty of the song As the World Falls Down like no other song up until that point in my life. It took me until high school before I, came, I finally came to my own musically speaking. But Labyrinth was still a movie I rented from time to time. Though I was very much into extreme and dream theater, I also came to adore the music of Stone Temple Pilots. I remember reading interviews back then with the also-gone-too-soon and recently Scott Whalen, who spoke about how much he himself was influenced by David Bowie. In the days before internet downloads and with very limited financial resources, buying Bowie albums just wasn't feasible. But I listened to the radio, and I appreciated his music more than I used to. I was also lucky enough to have a friend with some more, more recent albums, so I borrowed and made mixtapes, of course. In the ensuing years, my admiration deepened. I would see articles and interviews, and I started to put together a clearer picture of who Boy was, aside from the Goblin King that remained such a fixture in my mind. Even before he was a household name, he was already firmly ensconced on the fringes. Boy was a consummate outsider. He flouted convention, challenged perceptions, and above all, was true to himself, flaws and all. So it was during my college years I came to understand this. I was Bowie. I spent my entire life being the weird kid, then the weird guy, and I'm still the weird guy. David Bowie, ever the outsider, was, on, was one of the, those outside influences that helped me accept myself. He made it that far and still managed to be about the coolest guy on the planet. Weird and cool were not actually mutually exclusive. In 2007, my first daughter was born. It took a year or so, but I swear to you that her first word was baby. In and of itself, that's not all that significant, except one of her earliest words was also Toby. That's the baby's name from Labyrinth. Every time she wanted to watch Labyrinth, she would tell me Toby. And then when David Bowie came on screen, she would point as if to call the character Toby. Some of my fondest memories are watching my little toddler girl dance along in front of the television to that movie once every few days for about a year. When my second daughter was born... (laughs) A few years later, the same phenomenon occurred again, but by then I had David Bowie's album so I could more fully immerse my girls into his catalog. My younger daughter, by the age of three, would, ask, would often ask to listen to David Bowie while in the car. Along with Michael Jackson, they spent hours watching his music videos. About a year ago, when she was four, she told me that her favorite people in this world were Chewbacca and David Bowie. <laughs> 2015 was full of sharing his music with my girls, especially with my younger one. She would always ask me if he was a real person, and I would say, yes, of course, and we would watch the video for Let's Dance. And my older daughter, she would ask me, oh, is he still alive? And I would say, yes, he's still alive. He lives in New York City. Maybe one day we can go see him. We would watch the video for Space Oddity. Even Chris Hadfield, the Canadian astronaut who recorded a cover of Space Oddity from the International Space Station. I had hopes that one day he would take up one last tour, and I would take my daughters to see him, and even long after I'm gone, David Bowie would be what they remember. Now, fast forward to recently. I recall posting on my my Facebook about the uh, video Black Star, which was released back in November. It was also about the same time where my younger daughter asked for a giant stuffed Chewbacca and a giant stuffed David Bowie to snuggle with for Christmas. 
<laughs> I was astounded by how excellent Blackstar was. Somehow, through all his twists and turns musically, he and I arrived at the exact same place, some kind of fusion of prog, jazz, and pop. I was in my own neurotic way, counting down the days until the album dropped. As soon as the video for Lazarus was released on the Thursday, this past Thursday, I watched it on my lunch break. Then, on Friday, I downloaded the album. Every song isn't as good as Blackstar, but they're all good. I'd already played the Blackstar video for my girls, and unlike, I'm sure, most, girl, most children their age, they dug it. Through its dark illusions, its complexity, and at nine minutes and some change, they were still listening. I check my email every, every morning when I wake up. Someone posted on my Facebook page at 2 a.m. Monday morning, apparently as soon as the news broke, about his passing. Because this particular person happens to know my profound love for David Bowie and how much my daughters are attached to David Bowie. I feel some fleeting sadness whenever a celebrity I like passes on, but I haven't always been able to brush it aside very quickly. This was different. It felt like a family member died. That's how much he was mentioned on a day-to-day basis. What's more is I had no idea how to tell my younger daughter, who last year for Christmas even asked for her own David Bowie t-shirt and wore it to school often, and she received that t-shirt from my mom. I told my wife not to tell her when she woke up, and I would tell her when I picked her up from school. So I went to work that day, feeling very sullen, and I'm not an emotional person, but I felt tears tugging at my tear ducts as I sat alone in the dark, listening in the morning to the Black Star album. There it was on track one. Something happened on the day that he died. His spirit rose to meter and he stepped aside. Even before social media, the websites, the, tr- the tributes, the journalists told me that this album was his farewell. I realized it then. Some of my coworkers who know of my Bowie devotion even stopped by in the morning to offer condolences. And for some of them, they, they already associated Bowie with me. And that actually lifted my spirits a little bit. In a way, knowing I was such a fan of, of his explained my weirdness to them. I loved them even more for that. Still, I dreaded picking up my daughters from school. How to break it to them roiled in my mind throughout that day. It wasn't until the drive home that it occurred to me to try the Band-Aid approach, or the Band-Aid and ice cream approach. I would get them in the car and tell them while driving to the ice cream stand about a mile away from school. Surely this would work, right? I broke the news. My older daughter was not as affected as I thought she would be, but my younger daughter sobbed and sucked her thumb for the first time in years. This only lasted for a minute or two before she asked, but can I still listen to his music? I told her, of course, and that we could listen to it at that moment. She declined, saying she was too sad just then. I was listening to NPR on the radio at the time, and though it was turned way down, his na- they heard his name and asked for it to be turned up. Someone was being interviewed about Bowie's incredible sense of fashion and how he was, how he was influenced by Japanese culture and how for some 25 years after Hiroshima, David Bowie provided a bridge between our cultures and helped to reel the rifts caused by war. We listened in intrigued silence on the way to the get ice cream. I heard a couple more sobs from the back seat, but they were both transfixed by the fact that this man whom they loved so much was all that anyone was talking about on the radio. We took the ice cream home, and we watched David Bowie videos like we had so many times before that. My younger daughter was too sad to wear her Bowie shirt to the school the next day, but she did finally wear it this past Friday. Today, she also told me that her favorite song of his was Lazarus, because that was his goodbye song. David Bowie will continue to get played in my household just about every day. And as my daughters grow up, 
They know that Bowie is the patron saint of outsiders. They never have to fear being on the outside because that's where Bowie was, and he was amazing. Hopefully, in 90 years and some change, while they've happily lived a life on the fringes, they'll still be listening to. Jason, what is it called? It's called I'm Afraid of Americans. Okay. <laughs> she wants to listen to Nine Inch Nails. Uh, it's David Bowie with with Trent Reznor. Oh. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Okay. Dude, they, they just, uh, you, of course you can't hear from where you're at, but they just listened to Black Star. They like they really dig that song. Cool, and it's a it's a weird ass fucking song. I'm afraid I can't help it I'm afraid I can't 
Is an American. 